that which came to the that which came as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah in regard to the drought. Judah mourned in a day splendor. They sit on the ground in mourning, and the cry of Jerusalem as a subject. Their nobles have sent their servants for water. And they have and they have come to the cisterns and found no water. They have returned with their vessels empty. They have been put to shame and humiliated, and they cover their heads, because the ground is cracked, for there has been no rain on the land. The farmers have been put to shame, they have covered their heads. For even the doe in the field has given birth only to uh, abandon her young, because there is no grass. The wild donkeys stand on, on the bare heights. They Bad drought and things are really in terrible shape. Uh, verse 2, Judah mourns her gates languish. Why would the gates of Jerusalem languish? What would people do with the gates? Two things. Thank you. What? Bank. Bank? Bank. Bank. Hadn't thought about that. Yeah, maybe. What else would they do at the gate? Keep people in, keep people out. Yeah. So what would you do with the gate? Open and close it. And <laughs> go through it. Oh. <laughs> Wasn't anybody going through the gates because of the drought. Things that people had died. And the other thing they do at the city gates would what? Yeah. Judgment, you know, city business. Well, there's not much city there to do any business, so the gates are languishing. It's another ground in mourning, the cry of Jerusalem has ascended, and he speaks of different classes of beings that are suffering. In verse 3, who is it? Nobles. Now, how would you expect nobles to be affected by a drought? Not as badly as everyone else. Because? They have servants. They probably have a lot of water saved up. Money to buy it. Yeah. So you would expect the nobles. I mean, you know, if we have a, a famine and the price of food skyrockets, the rich people are going to eat fine. It's going to be the poor people are going to starve. Well, the nobles are dying of thirst. You know, they send their servants for water. They can't find any water. They bring their vessels back empty. I mean, you know, when the nobles, you know, don't have any water, you know the supply ran out for the common people a long time ago. Well, what about in verse 4, who else is hurting because of the lack of water? The farmers, duh, that's obvious. Who else in verse 5? Like the dough. Apparently, I don't know if this is true today or what or not, but apparently, at least at that period of time, the doe were uh, well known for caring for their young and all that. Is that would that be true today? Yeah. Do you really care for their young? Well, here's the doe that abandons her young. And that shows even the wildlife are driven to despair. When the doe is so thirsty she doesn't even take care of her young, things are bad. Six, who's affected? 
the wild donkeys. Now, a wild donkey, what would be unusual about it being affected by a drought? It would not find its own water. Yeah, the wild donkey is resourceful, uh, pretty hardy, able to make do on very little, you know. A donkey's pretty tough, pretty solitary. And so the idea is, man, if the donkeys, are, their eyes are failing, they're panting, it is bad. You know, one of the hardiest animals there is, and even the donkeys are in trouble. So the nobles, the farmers, the does, the donkeys, you know, all show the drought is really horrible. Comments or questions about that? So, how do the people react to the drought? 7 through 12. Though our iniquities testify against us, act, O Lord, for your name's sake. For our backslidings are many. We have sinned against you. O you hope of Israel, its Savior in time of trouble, why should you be like a stranger in the land, like a traveler who turns aside to tarry for a night? Why should you be like a man confused, like a mighty warrior who cannot save? Yet you, O Lord, are in the midst of us, and we are called by your name. Do not leave us. Thus says the Lord concerning this people. They have loved to wander thus. They have not restrained their feet. Therefore the Lord does not accept them. Now he will remember their iniquity and punish their sins. The Lord said to me, Do not pray for the welfare of this people. Though they fast, I will not hear their cry. And although they offer burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them, but I will consume them by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. This is very interesting. Who's speaking in verses 7 through 9? Seems like the people. Yeah. Maybe Jeremiah is speaking, you know, kind of relaying the message of the people. But this does seem like the people speaking. And what are they saying? Don't leave us. Who are they saying that to? God. Yeah. Now, well, they acknowledge their sins. Verse 7, you know, our iniquity testify against us. You know, our apostasy have been many, we've sinned against you. So they're confessing their sins to God. And they're saying, you know... Please help us. They say, you know, your hope, your hope of Israel, Savior in time of distress. Why are you like a stranger in the land, like a traveler who pitched his tent for the night? Do you understand what, what they're asking there? Do what? They don't want him to stay. No, no, no. How does a traveler, a foreigner, What's his relationship to the country he's traveling through? He estranged. Yeah. Distant. How does he feel about things in that country? Couldn't care less. Yeah. Doesn't really care. You know, it doesn't really matter. You're not going to be there long anyway. So he didn't take a real interest. You know, 
I spend a lot of time in Brazil. But even even though I'm 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 almost no longer a foreigner there, still like Brazilian elections and all that, well, I don't really care. You know, I don't really know much about it. You know, I take a little more interest in American elections, not necessarily a great deal. But uh, but you know, I mean things that happen in Brazil, even though I'm there a whole lot, much less if I'm just in a country for a brief time not planning on going back. They're saying, God, you're like a foreigner just kind of traveling through. Like, you don't even pay attention. You're not even caring about what we're going through. This drought's bad. Or why are you like a man just made like a mighty man who cannot save? I mean, it sounds like you're a strong man that just lost his strength. Because you're not doing anything about this. Yet you're in our midst, O Lord. We're called by your name. Don't forsake us. We're your people. You're, you're there for us. You're our hope. You know, you're our savior in time of distress. Please. How do they see God? Kind of a last resort. A last resort? What do they think God's correct role should be for them? Get them out of trouble. Yes. Take care of them when we need help. We're, we know we've... we've, we've man, are we, we've really... A lot of sin, a lot of wickedness. You know, we've, we've sinned against you. Please help us. Come on, please. Don't, don't be like this traveler who doesn't care, like a mighty man who can't do anything. You know, we're your people. Call your name. Don't forsake us. What do you think about that appeal? It's kind of weak. Well, it sounds pretty good to me. Why do you think it's weak? It's weak because they did it with the wrong attitude, and God doesn't just judge by what they say, He judges by their hearts. Well, what's their heart like? They're still evil. How do you know? Well, I mean, Kim? No, they're thinking about themselves and how they want to get out of that. They're not really hurt about what they did to God. Well, they say they sin. He turned to Him when they were in trouble. Yeah. I think they're more sorry of the consequences than the actual sin. You ever done that with your parents? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ever said the right things just to get out of trouble and get what you want when you didn't really mean it? I bet some of us have done that, haven't we? Yeah. You know the right words. You know if you say you're sorry, that maybe then they'll give you what you want. Uh, yeah, that's, I think that's what they're doing here. I mean, it, you can do that. You can actually say to God, oh, I, I'm sorry. Oh, I, 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 I really, that was bad. Please get me out of this. And they're awfully close with the get me out of this right after the I have sinned. You know, you notice that? You know, it's like I said the right words now. And you can tell that by verse 10. Because listen to how God answers them. That's our key to knowing for sure that this interpretation is right. Thus says the Lord to this people, even so they've loved to wander, they've not kept their feet in check, therefore the Lord does not accept them. You know, he does not even say my people. Did you notice that at the beginning of verse 10? He says what? They. This people. <laughs> and he said he just loved to wander off. You know, you, you love to do your own thing. The fact is, they didn't want God. They just wanted God's mercy. 
Heather. Well, don't you think it's kind of funny in verse 7 that it says, Oh Lord, act for your name's sake. God is acting for him. He is <laughs> being God, and he is punishing them. It's not, he's, they're thinking that he's going to do something different. Um, and then in verse 8 it says, It's Savior in time of distress. So they're falling into the trap of, Well, I want you to help me when I need something. And I think we can do that too, of, Okay, God, just get me out of this, and then I will. Yes. I will agree. I will do this. So they kind of do that same trap that we get into sometimes. Yeah, it's always interesting when we're only really eager to pray to God when we really need something. If we wanted to be close to God, would we only pray to Him when we really need something? You know, I think you, you really see in this almost trying to use God. Almost trying to manipulate Him. You know, there's a, there's a couple of interesting sections of Judges. In Judges 6 and even more in Judges 10, the people oppressed again. Cry out, God help us! And finally in Judges 10, God says, Hey, turn to your idols. Turn to the gods you always serve. Let them get you out of this. God gets tired of being used, you know, by somebody who doesn't want to serve and they just wants God to get them out of trouble. And so, very strongly, God says to Jeremiah, do not pray for the welfare of this people. Wow. I mean, when God says to a prophet, don't even pray for him. It's like God is determined to punish him. He doesn't want Jeremiah to pray for them. And he says, if they fast, I won't listen. They offer burnt offering and grain offering, I won't accept it. You know, they can do all the right worship acts, but I'm not going to listen to them. I'm going to make an end of them by sword, famine, and pestilence. You know, this is emergency repentance only because the need is so great. They are not really turning back to God from the heart. God, you know, you can take all the Lord's suppers you want to. You know, you can have all the acapella, you know, music that you care for. If you don't really love God and serve him, then it doesn't make any difference. You know, God can just say, you know, I will not even be there when you take your Lord's Supper. Because you just, you know, think about people, maybe you're like this. Have you ever found yourself uh, studying the Bible a lot more when you really were in a crisis and felt like you needed God's help? Then you really start reading the Bible a lot. Have you ever prayed a lot more when you were really in trouble? Maybe not even do you do this. Maybe not even just praying about the problem. Just pray all these wonderful prayers to God, thinking that if you'll pray a lot and be really good to God, maybe he'll do this or that. You know, people will do things like that. You know, we're like, we really, all of a sudden, we try to beef up our closeness to God. You know, when we really think we need him to bail us out, but when things are going okay, God's nowhere around. So God says, I'm not listening anymore. I, I don't care what they do. They can fast. They can offer sacrifices. They can do anything. But they love to wander. That's, what, you know, that's where their heart is. You know, the sacrifice and the fasting are just trying to get my attention when they're in, in trouble. But what they love to do is they love to wander away from me. So you won't fool God. If this is all a manipulation thing, just trying to get God's blessings, but you're not really serving Him, He can tell. He can see through that. Thoughts.
Brandon. So basically, he's got like a spare tire just in case of an emergency. <laughs> um, and also, like in verse 10, he says he'll remember their iniquity now. It's almost like God has selective memory. Sometimes he'll remember your sin and sometimes he won't. Yeah, and it all depends on whether or not you're really serving God and loving him or whether or not you're just trying to, uh, you know, punch the right buttons on the God blessing, you know, vending machine to get what you need. Micah. Uh, I'm not sure about the validity of this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but with him, with the Lord saying in verse 11, don't pray for the welfare of this people, it sounds like he's referencing 7 through 9, sort of Jeremiah praying for his people without the people themselves really praying for them. Because as we saw in 1322, they say, why have these things come upon us? They don't recognize their own sin. It's sort of like uh, Ezra in Ezra 9, how he included himself uh, in the sin of the nation, although he wasn't partaking in it. Uh, I don't know if... Ah, that, that may be. Uh, I can see that because I think 7 through 9 is, to some extent, Jeremiah sort of expressing this for the people. And so he needs to quit doing that, you know. Yeah. And it's just really bad when God doesn't want a prophet to try to express things for the people. I mean, typically prophets would intercede. Remember even Moses. You know, going to bat for his people. And God listened. These people are worse than the people in Moses' day then. That's, that's really bad. Kimberly. It just goes to show how important it is to deny ourselves and not be selfish. Because when we're selfish, you know, that goes like with any relationship. You won't treat the person the way, with respect and the way God wants you to treat them. Especially with God. You don't treat them right. You know, you treat them wrong when you're selfish and it's all about you. Yes, good point. Good point. Right. It certainly shows how important it is to set up, you know, when you're not in trouble, to set up a good relationship with God. Because then, when the time does come and you are in trouble, God will help you. Yeah, and it really does. I mean, you know, it, it, it's a whole different mindset. You know, really stop and think about it. You know, the mindset of, you know, just selfishly seeking God's help when you need something for you, but not caring about the relationship. I mean, how would you feel if a friend did that? This friend didn't want to have anything to do with you, except in those moments where they really needed something. You know, you've got a car and they don't. Every time they need to go somewhere, oh, you're the best friend they've ever had. You know, all the other times they won't even, you know, hang out with you. You know, it's like, that gets old. Other thoughts? The question in uh, verse 8 is interesting. Why are you like a stranger in the land? That's about what God's question is. Why am I a stranger to you? <laughs> yeah, I, I hadn't thought about turning that on them, but you're right. It's got an interesting application. <laughs> There's some haunted noises. Alright, other questions or comments? Alright, 13 to 16. God, I said, look, the prophets are telling them, you will not see the sword, nor will you have famine, <clears throat> but I will give you lasting peace in this place. Then the Lord said to me, the prophets are prophesying falsehood in my name. 
I have neither sent them, nor commanded them, nor spoken to them. They are prophesying to you a false vision, divination, futility, and the deception of their own minds. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who are prophesying in my name. Although it was not I who sent them, yet they keep saying, There will be no sword or famine in this land. By sword and famine those prophets shall meet their end. The people also to whom they are prophesying will be thrown out into the streets of Jerusalem because of the famine and the sword. And there will be no one to bury them, neither them, nor their wives, nor their sons, nor their daughters, for I will pour out their own wickedness on them. Jeremiah is having a hard time not defending the people. You know, he loves these people. And uh, what's he defending them with in verse 13? False prophets. Yeah, like, what's he say? Because they're saying, this is not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, he's saying, God, you know, the prophets are telling them they're not going to have any problems. You know, so he's trying to kind of... Uh, you know, allege there's some mitigating circumstances, you know. That, I mean, what, you, what, what would you expect? I mean, the prophets keep saying everything will be okay. So it's like the people are kind of, you know, they're just following what the prophets say. You know, they, they don't think there's any problem because the prophets keep comforting them. What does God say about that? Those prophets who say that there won't be sword or famine will die by sword or famine. Yeah. And I never to do with these prophets. I didn't send them. I didn't give them the message. They're not my prophets. You know, it is no excuse to say, well, the false teachers deceive me. That, that doesn't work. God said, they're not mine. You know, the fact that they swallowed the message of the prophets who told them what they wanted to hear is not going to keep them from being destroyed. Sometimes that's exactly what people do. You know, we listen to the people that tell us what we want to hear. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but uh, kind of sounds to me like, um, you know, in a family. Any of you have any older brothers or sisters, and you do something wrong, and your parents get after you, and you're like, well, my brother said it was okay. You know, my sister told me that I could do this. You ever done that? When you knew good and well it wasn't the right thing to do, but you were able to blame it on them, you know, I mean, since when did you, did you follow what your brother or sister said over your parents until it becomes something you really wanted to do, and then you use them to get out of it? That's kind of what they do. See, we listen to who we want to listen to. And the person who tells me what I want to hear, that's who I listen to. Then that way I can just blame them. Well, I mean, I just listen to them. Well, God doesn't care who you listen to. I mean, you know, he's not going to say, oh, okay, if you were listening to them, then that would be okay. No way. I mean, it's like saying, you know, I don't know, you go to uh, some doctor and he tells you the wrong thing. You know, maybe he tells you the news you wanted to hear. You finally shop around and you find a doctor that says you don't have cancer. And uh, then, you know, when you get to where you're dying of cancer, say, well, but I followed the advice of this doctor. Well, I don't keep you from dying of cancer. And furthermore, you just tried to find a doctor who told you what you wanted to hear instead of trying to find the truth out. Find the prophet who tells you the truth. Don't blame it on some false teacher you shopped around to find who would tell you what you liked. 
That's what they done. And so God says these prophets who are saying there'll be no sword or famine will actually die by sword and famine. <laughs> you know, so uh, they're going to succumb to the very sword and famine they denied. It really makes you stop and have to be responsible for who you listen to. Comments or questions? It's kind of like that prophet that was told not to go to anyone's house on his way back. And yet a false prophet came up to him and was like, well, I, I was told by God that you should come back to my house. And he was eaten by a lion. And you no, just, killed by a lion. Killed. I said that okay. too in a sermon one time. Fair enough. Killed by a lion. And he was told what to do, and these people were told what to do, and they were told, already told what was going to happen if they did all these sins. They were told throughout the law that they were going to be taken out in captivity if they did these things. And so, at first you're like, well, God could have struck them dead, and you, you kind of feel for uh, Jeremiah's argument there. Well, they didn't know that they weren't. Well, they should have known. They should have known that this was going to happen. They already knew God's word, that if they did these things, they would get this punishment. And What book is that story about the prophet in? First Kings. First Kings, what chapter? 16. 17. 19. <laughs> Thirteen. Wrong direction. <laughs> Other thoughts. Seventeen to twenty-two. We will say this word to them: Let my eyes flow down with tears night and day, and let them not cease, for the virgin daughter of my people has been crushed with a mighty blow with a sorely infected wound. If I go out to the country, behold, those slain with the sword, or if I enter the city, behold, diseases of famine. For both prophet and priest have gone roving about in a land that they do not know. Have you completely rejected Judah, or have you loathed Zion? Why have you stricken us so that we are beyond healing? We waited for peace, but nothing good came, and for a time of healing, but behold, terror. We know our wickedness, O Lord, the iniquity of our fathers, for we have sinned against you. Do not despise us for your own name's sake. Do not disgrace the throne of your glory. Remember and do not annul your covenant with us. Are there any among the idols of the nations who gave rain? Or can the heavens grant showers? Is it not you, O Lord, our God? Therefore we hope in you. So how's Jeremiah feeling? Very sad. Why? They'll be destroyed. It's just horrible. He's just so grieved. In some ways, when Jeremiah expresses this terrible anguish over what's going to happen to the people, he's expressing God's feelings too. God grieves when he has to do this to this nation. And everywhere he goes, it's destruction and devastation, famine. It's horrible. And so he's grieving. And it's really hard to understand. Um, maybe this is Jeremiah again speaking for the people in verse 19. Have you completely rejected Judah? I mean, is, is it over? Is this the end? You know, I mean, we were hoping. We were, you know, maybe, but... Is it over? Is, it, is there no hope? Is, is there no future? You know, we know our witness. We, we've sinned against you. Please! 
You know, don't despise us for your namesake. Don't disgrace the throne of your glory. Remember, don't annul your covenant with us. I think more or less Jeremiah is expressing this intercession on the part for the people, but kind of the people's attitude. You know, God, we sin. We know we sin. We, we're sorry. You know, it's it's terrible. We're really, really, really sorry. But but don't forget the covenant. We we have this agreement, God. I don't know. If you're in this situation, do you really want God to be remembering the covenant? <laughs> That's kind of a dangerous request. When it came to the covenant with God, do you see what the people started doing as they thought about the covenant? I forgot the bad part of it. Like, well, not bad part, but like... Punishment. Yeah, that part. The punishment, and notice they forget. The commands. Yeah! <laughs> what, did, what part did they think about? The results. The blessings. The blessings. They, they, they like to hear about God's part in keeping the covenant, all the blessings he was going to give, but not about their part, all the obedience they were going to offer. Just like, you know, when they got out of Egypt, they remembered all the good things about Egypt. They were like, we had all this free food back there. I mean, it was, it was great. No. <laughs> well, it's easy for us to do that. It's easy for us to sort of emphasize God's obligations to us and not our responsibilities and duties to God. You know, God's supposed to bless us, he's supposed to forgive us, he's supposed to take care of us, he's supposed to give us, you know, heaven and all. And what are you supposed to do? You know, we, we want to emphasize what God's supposed to do in the agreement. That's what they're doing. When they say, remember, do not annul your covenant with us, you kind of shudder. Because if he really does remember the covenant, whoa, they are in big trouble. Um, you know, and then they say, don't you love, verse 22, are there any among the idols of the nations who can give, who give rain? Can the heavens grant showers? I mean, none of, the, none of the idol gods can give us rain. We need rain. You're the only one we can turn to. Why didn't they think about that when they were worshiping the idols? Why worship a god who can't give rain? Isn't that a pretty good question? You know, and so, you know, is it not you, O Lord, our God? Therefore, we hope in you. For you're the one who's done all these things. God, you know, we need you. You're the God that gives the rain. We're in a drought. Come on. You know, we sinned. We're wrong. We're sorry. You know, we know. Now please, come out. I really think this is again Jeremiah sort of interceding for the people, describing the people's attitude, the people's seeking God. Um, but they're not seeking God. They're seeking rain. <laughs> And God is the only place they know to turn. When, when, when what we're more interested in is the rain instead of the God that gives the rain. Don't expect God to give the rain. Comments and thoughts. Heather. In verse 17, when it talks about the virgin daughter, is that what they're calling themselves? Or is that what Jeremiah's calling them? I think virgin daughter here means never before violated, never before destroyed. And so they have been a virgin in the sense that God has protected them and now he's taken a protecting hand and they've been abused. Good question. Kimberly? Yes. Uh, well, Jeremiah is hurting over this and he loves the people, but God loves the people more and he's hurting more. 
and especially because he's doing the punishment, you know, that hurts him much. It's like a parent, again, when they're punishing their kids, they're hurting because they, they love them. And, yeah. yeah, you're exactly right. Right. Exactly right. Right. I think really they knew the whole time that the idols they were worshiping couldn't bring them rain. I think they knew the whole time that the idols they were couldn't do anything. They just didn't want the restrictions that the law placed in them. And you know, isn't that the same for people today? They make money their idol, or cars their idol, or booze their idol, just because they don't want to change. Yeah. Good points. The idols can't tell them what to do. Right. <laughs> The idol's great on the not requiring obedience part, but a little slack on the giving the blessings part, right? <laughs> we could just have the idols for the obedience and God for the blessings. That's kind of what they were working on. It doesn't work that way. And they're finding that out the hard way here. Other thoughts? So this is Jeremiah doing what God told him not to do, interceding for the people again. Yeah. <laughs> is that okay for him to do that? <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a good thing to be begging for his people's life, but uh, if that's not what God told him to do, shouldn't he be included in with their destruction? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to say that, although in the next chapter, uh, you know, God is going to uh, be very strong with Jeremiah about some things. Right. Did Moses do that sometimes with Israelites? Yeah. I don't know. Did God tell Moses not to pray for him? I don't think so. He just said very, very strongly, they're going to get destroyed. And he begged a lot. Yeah. I don't have good answers to that. I don't think that's the point right here. Look at 15. Then the Lord said to me, Even though Moses...